it's Nicole Brandon, and welcome to Hourglass Bride. We have such a special and extraordinary show for you today. Today we're talking with one of my favorite guests, and truly one of the wisest, most incredible doctors on the planet. Today we are talking with Dr. Elazier Ben-Joseph, and I cannot imagine a better time to be talking about health and wellness wholeness, and truly, as we talk about the happily ever after, how do we lead and live that kind of life that we always dream of and desire and deserve? And certainly, our health is part of that dream. If we all had one wish, we would wish for the health and the happiness for ourselves and for those that we love. And so it's such a joy today to welcome Dr. Elazia Ben-Joseph. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, and welcome also to the listening audience, and just thank you for having me on, Nicole. I love doing interview when you interview me. It's so much fun. Oh, this is, you are so extraordinary. You know, I look at your bio, and you are amazing. I mean, you are a naturopath, you are herbologist, you're iridologist, you were certified in almost every modality of health healing, and wellness known to man. And I love the fact that you have devoted and dedicated your life to the wellness of mankind. Oh, well, I have loved it. You know, um, my life is really like most people only see in the movies. It really is like that. I've traveled around the world. I have three doctorates, a doctorate in medicine, a doctorate in science, doctorate in naturopathic medicine. I studied chiropractic and osteopathic in Israel, Ayurvedic medicine in a temple in the Himalaya Mountains in India, Chinese medicine in Sri Lanka, physical therapy in Amsterdam, and I lived in a teepee two years studying with the Indians. My life is truly amazing. And uh, I've done some things that just are outrageous. I was a professional deep sea diver for the oil companies, underwater welder. I did underwater archaeology in the Mediterranean. I helped to uncover a city off Caesarea and a Phoenician ship in the Red Sea. And I did a secret dive in 1970. We did an excavation. I think there's a new, it's on the Exodus that's coming out. We dove off where the Red Sea is where there were underwater thousands of chariots and and horse bones and human bones and coral in the shape of the chariot wheels. And we know that's where Moses uh, crossed with the Israelites. I think there's some show coming on TV because we were never allowed to talk about it. Now they did a documentary. So I've had a life like in the movies. I love that. And I love it. And I've been married 34 years. <laughs> well, that's this that's year I married thirty five years. Thirty five years and I'm married. So I love that, and this is a relationship show. So I really want to know: is there a secret to a lasting happy marriage? Absolutely, I think there are very specific things. Um, and I've known over my life that there's really about six very specific positive things that every marriage has to focus on. And I would say the first thing is we want to focus on the positive aspects of a marriage, not the negative. So many people concentrate on what's improper in their relationship instead of proper. So that would be the first, and I can even go through these, and then we can talk about them. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Go through them, yes. And number two, and this is 
big. I think this is one of the most important is that you have to divide the responsibilities of the relationship in a way that satisfies both uh, partners in the relationship. Uh, number three, we have to acknowledge that when one of our mate, either the male or the female, changes, that that changes the relationship. Number four is we need to know when to compromise. Who has the bottom line say on what particular issue? Number five is we must accept conflict as a necessary element in marriage. It's how you argue that is important. It's like fair fighting. You know, what do the children see when a husband and a wife are in an argument? How is the end of that argument? Is it where people are going to bed angry at each other in the same bed? Or do you always make up and that that's what the children sees? And number six, I think you have to build on what is so unique to your own relationship. What are the unique aspects that each person brings to that? So those six things my wife and I have um, uh, dealt with our entire lives. And right after we got married, and again, 35 years this year, one of the things, because of all my training in psychology, I was one of the first Gestalt therapists after Fritz Perls died. I trained with um, Jefferson Campbell, and uh, he was a direct um, disciple of Fritz Perls, and I was the, one of the first facilitators after he died. So one of the things that I did, having known a lot about personal growth and, and relationships, I made my wife and I commit to one specific thing that when my communications to her was inappropriate, I demanded that she tell me. Because how do I know I'm being inappropriate unless she tells me? And but, at the same know, I'm time... I'm sorry for interrupting. That was my first question when you said a proper relationship or a proper on what is proper. Because I always think of proper in like little pointy shoes and your hands crossed and white gloves. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you, um, who was that? You know, all the old um, um, Maureen O'Hara and that kind of uh, where you see the gloves and all of that. Yes. No, I, I think it's behavior. Behavior is what's critical. And I made I committed to my wife that when she was inappropriate to me, I would speak up and that when I'm inappropriate to her, she would speak up. We have a thing that as an example, we just use the word stop. Stop, breathe. That when that's the signal, you know, it's like the communication's getting out of hand. Stop, breathe. And then b both of us have made that commitment because we love each other that whatever that issue is, we stop and we breathe for that 10 seconds and then continue. And I think those six aspects have really made, and that double commitment that we both made has made all the difference in the world. Um, and so many people don't. They don't know how to fight fair. They they end up being angry. They go to sleep. We've made a commitment that you never go to sleep angry at each other, ever. Can you imagine lying in a bed next to somebody where you're both angry and you roll over? No. Most people, when you're in love, you're doing the spoon position. Do you know what I mean by the spoon <laughs> position? <laughs> And that came from what was that that movie with um oh uh, um 
oh gosh, my wife would know immediately because she knows every one of those movies. Um, 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 not like a Robert in Niro. Seattle or one of those. Yeah, it was one of those, and he had just gotten out of jail. Uh, Pfeiffer, um, what's her first name? Uh, um, Michelle uh, Pfeiffer? Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer was the woman in this, uh, in it, and the other one was, um, oh gosh, I forget his name. Big, big actor. Is this, anyway, is they, this that liaison was Spoon's position. Okay. Uh, anyway, I remember the spoon position, and everybody Thanks. that's in a relationship knows what that is, you know. Yes. And I could never imagine going to sleep angry at my wife because then the whole night you're not sleeping well. You're not going to have a restful, wonderful, peaceful sleep. It's going to be disturbed, and then you wake up in the morning, and it takes that little while again to get back to the, okay, we love each other. And that's never happened with us because we've made that commitment. So how do you, when you said accept conflict as one of the things, I mean, I know that's a hard one for me because I grew up in a house that to this day, I have never heard my parents argue about anything. I've never heard them raise their voices to one another ever. And when I asked my mom about it, my mom said, well, honey, of course we disagreed on things. She said, but if we disagreed on things, it was on how to raise you or find they weren't your problems. They were things that we were working through as a couple. And they have such enormous love and respect for one another, which they've showed us every you know step of the way. And so I know that Every time there's a conflict in anything in life, I'm always so squeamish about conflict just because my life has been so calm and beautiful. But I know that, obviously, as my mom said, no two people are the same two people. And so how do you say, okay, we're going to accept conflict and this is how we're going to resolve it? A conflict you can think of many ways. When one or when two people are angry at each other, that's conflict. How you um, act in that conflict, that's... We made very specific things to never go below the belt line. Do you know what I mean? In fair fighting, you're not allowed to hit below the belt and, and boxing and all of those. Well, there's emotional things that you never... You choose never to hit below the belt. So... The conflict is normal because everybody has disagreements. There's, uh, let's say, extremes from minor conflict to major conflict. And so I use that term, and it might be anger at each other. But hitting below the belt in conflict, when you acknowledge conflict exists, you also acknowledge never to go below the belt. So as an example, uh, some of the things that might be a belt line – for sure, a woman, a belt line would be, never hit me, never be physical to me. That Once you do that, you've crossed the line, and I'm out of here. And so many women don't recognize that. Uh, I know, um, let's say from a man's point of view, it might be, or from the woman's point of view, because it can happen, of someone saying, okay, this argument is over, I'm out of here, I'm not talking about it anymore. And I remember the first time I did that to my wife when I just said, because that happened in my family. If my father didn't want to talk about something, he, he didn't talk about it. 
And when my wife and I were first married and that first argument came up and she said to me, well, I'm not finished with it. And I didn't, when I married you, I did not elect you to determine when conversations are over. And I had to stop for a minute and I went, well, she's correct. I mean, so how does one deal with conflict? So I think for sure for women, um, 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 abuse, physical abuse and emotional abuse. I know that I'm a very intense person. When my voice gets too loud, my wife will immediately say, tone it down. Now, I can either react like, don't tell me what the, 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 or I say, thank you, honey, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little too intense. And so I, we control that conflict. We control how. It's the behavior of the conflict. You cannot necessarily change what you feel. You can only change how you feel it. So I love uh, people when they go to these workshops and say, oh, I got rid of my anger. I had an anger workshop, and I'm now I don't have anger anymore. And then I look at those. I go, hey, you want to see me piss you off in about three minutes? And so because people, <laughs> okay, anger so, is normal. Okay, so I have a question with that. So, I mean, mm-hmm. you are one of the most renowned doctors on the entire planet, and I, we're so grateful that you're here talking to us today. And so what happens with health issues if somebody is overweight? Or like you hear people that have heart attacks that for years they had symptoms. Or if your spouse says you should get checked or you should go see a doctor or you can't see why I'm reading for you, go see the eye doctor. How do you convince, encourage, support your spouse to maintain health and to get checked? Well, that's when you do things together. So when health is a joint, see, a lot of men don't realize that, uh, or let me even back up. When I learned and lived in a temple in the Himalaya Mountains, and they teach relationships very differently, um, uh, sexuality is taught differently. It's taught in, under the name of what's called Tantra. I don't know if you've ever heard that name or not. Sure. But it becomes a meditation, not just a physical act. That physical act is women know, oh, my husband's all frustrated. Come here, honey, let me relieve your stress. That's for him, not for her. And real lovemaking is looking at each other and and recognizing that aspect of how. And so when I was in India, we learned basically how to have a relationship, how to uh, communicate, and how to uh, um, recognize that women will only tell, when they're in love, their husbands to do good things. When the husband might be sitting around watching the ball game, and and she says, oh, honey, let's go for a walk, or, or let's go do something together. And he says, don't bother me. I'm watching the ball game, and where's my beer? Okay. <laughs> that was very good. That was a great impersonation. <laughs> and so, or she'll say, oh, honey, don't eat that, please. It's really not good. And he'll, don't tell me what to eat. Okay, men are, you know, they get this ego part, and they don't recognize that women will usually do anything to save a relationship. They will live in squalor, they will wear hand-me-down clothes. If When they know that their husband loves them and is coming home to her, they will put up with all kinds of uh, uh, things about uh, that, let's say, deal with money. 
Men don't necessarily do that. They need to learn. You know, men are in their heads. Women are in their hearts. And men have to think these things. And, and women know when it's right. They know. They feel it. And how for a man to really develop that wonderful relationship, he needs to believe that she's working for him. I know as a doctor, and I'm, I get all kinds of accolades as a doctor, but my, um, um, I would never be who I am for not for my wife to allow me not to have to think about the day-to-day things of running my, our family my, or even our business. She handles everything. I don't deal with money, and I know she's always right on, so I don't have to question her. I'm a male that recognizes she's on my team, so I'm not going to think she's doing something underhanded, where a lot of men, I'm taking care of the money. Me, I like that oriental idea. She takes care of that and allows my mind to be creative for my patients and clients. So... I'm there to support her. You know, so many times, as an example, something happens and um, there's an emotional trauma or something or, what you know, our kids do something and that's like, oh, my gosh, there's a trauma. Well, I can't fix everything. What I can do is give her my shoulder and let her feel my strength that I love her. You know, so many times when the woman is crying, it's, what's wrong? How can I help? What's, what's the matter? Nothing's the matter. I'm just eliminating and crying. I was remembering my mother. You know, my wife does that periodically. She died to her mother died two years ago, and her mother-in-law lived. My mother-in-law lived with us for 25 years. She was a wonderful woman, and they were just great friends. So when like uh, certain shows come on TV, she watches a soap. She's been watching that soap since it came out. What is it? Days of Our Lives. She's seen wow. it from the beginning. It, it's taped every day, but she used to watch it with her mom. Well, I don't watch that, you know. And so sometimes she'll, oh, I really miss my mother, and she's crying. And I go, I miss her too, honey. Come cry on my shoulder. Not, mm-hmm. oh, you know, keep a stiff upper lip and get it together. And a lot of men forget that. They don't understand that sometimes all they want to feel is your strength, just your compassion um, while um, there's some pain going on. It's like pain is inevitable. Suffering is a choice. Mm. Think of that for a moment. I love that. And one of the things that you were also just sharing about your wife, and you were saying how she takes care of the house or the business, one of your how to make a marriage last. Keys you shared mm -hmm. to divide responsibilities. Here's a great story, okay? This is so funny, and my wife, I'm so proud that my wife is so strong a woman. So when my fault, when we were kids growing up and dinner, you know, was served, and of course it was served to my dad, and we didn't eat dinner until dad came home, and then when dinner was done, he got up and left. He didn't do dishes. He didn't do um, um, anything like that. And um, so when I got married, I remember I was about a week or so after we were married, and uh, I had my office above the garage in the back. We had a beautiful home and a garage, and then there was like an apartment above the garage. So I had my office there for a while. It was very easy. 
So I can you know, I um, easily go to dinner. I'm out of the office and I'm right at home. So we had some meeting that we were going to go to. So I finished um, dinner and I got up from the table and I left. You know, I went to the TV and I turned on the TV and I was going to wait until she cleaned the kitchen and got ready. And so two minutes later, she comes to the living room, sits down, takes the box and changes the channel. Well, I was like, well, honey, you got to finish the kitchen. Come on, we got to go to this meeting. And she looks at me and goes, Eliezer, what did I do all day? And I said, well, don't be ridiculous. You were with me in the office. And she says, I thought so. She said, I don't remember signing a marriage contact where I was your maid. And uh, so she says to me, and my wife is a beautiful woman. She used to be a model. And she says, Eliezer, I have so much energy. I can either spend time keeping myself looking good, being there with us when we want to be together, or I can cook clean and keep the house. Which would you prefer? Well, I hired someone the next day, and we've had a a full-time person every day from then on because I knew she didn't want to do the house cleaning. I didn't want to do it. I made sure we had someone to do it, (laughs) and we've had someone ever since. And so she told, it's that same way when we had that first argument. She says, I don't remember signing a contract that you get to determine when we speak and when we don't. How many women are strong enough to say that to their husbands? Wow. That was fabulous. It is. So fantastic. That's funny because my mom had shared something very similar with me and, and, you know, about mopping floors. And my mother was saying that, you know, no man ever married a woman because of how shiny the floors were. Exactly. <laughs> she is in her heart. How she cares and gives and supports him and loves and, and you know, focus on the relationship. And, I, you know, I've never forgot that. And my parents just had a 51st wedding anniversary and they have a beautiful relationship. And so... My folks had 67th before my dad died, 67th wedding anniversary. And we, like I said, we've been married, we're having our 35th. So that's another thing. People, you know, and again, more, I've I've always thought in all of my counseling, and I do a lot of marriage and counseling and family counseling, and most of the time the problems women have are the men they're with. They won't listen. And that's one of the big issues. They demand, I'm the man, I'm in charge. Well, I don't remember where there's a contract and something. The other thing in marriage is, I don't know too many people that got a marriage manual. Did you ever get a manual, you know, how to have a proper marriage? I never got one. She didn't. We never got a manual on how to raise children, you know. I mean, so a lot of times relationships are hit and miss. Well, it's what you do with the behavior. It's not necessarily the emotion you're feeling. It's how you act on that emotion. And, of course, you know, like how many women are having, let's say, menstrual problems. We're getting into kind of health. Okay, well, a menstrual problem, uh, you know, uh-oh, PMS. Well, men have PMS. We have it every day. It's called pre-meal syndrome. You know, men come home and the wife might say, oh, honey, what do you want for dinner? And they'll say, I don't care, just a lot and hurry up. So it's that PMS. <laughs> so 
know, uh, again, I've always had um, the a woman that's been with us for 25 years. She does all our shopping. She does all our meals. She knows exactly how we eat. Her whole life has changed because we're into health, so so is she, and we help her family. And I recognize that that person is the most important employee I have in my entire house. I have a clinic and a store, and we have um, employees, and uh, we pay them, but I pay her as much as any employee. I give her two weeks vacation every year. I pay her health insurance. I pay her Social Security. I mean, she is the most important for our relationship, and I recognize that, and so... I mean, how many men, you know, if she's doing it, that's where the description of you must um, uh, uh, divide the responsibilities in a way that satisfies both of you, you know, because so many women, the men expect them to be the maid, make my food and clean the house and how come my shirt's not ironed, you know, that kind of thing. Well, then you're not looking at a spouse, you're looking at a maid, and um, so, again, going back to that menstrual part, to recognize sometimes the menstrual cycle is very painful or um, a woman has heavy bleeding and she's having anemia because of it. Well, as a physician, I'm able to know that. And so, of course, I was able to address all those issues because what most women don't understand is most of the time, when you have heavy bleeding as a woman or heavy bleeding with clotting, or you have endometriosis, which is a very painful condition, or you have a cyst or a fibroid, whether it's on the ovary, in the uterus, or even in the breasts, every one of those conditions comes from a low thyroid and affecting low adrenals. Now, most doctors don't treat it that way, but that's a primary understanding in natural medicine, naturopathy. You're low in iodine, your thyroid's not working, it's not communicating to the adrenal glands very well, so you're getting an adrenal exhaustion, and uh, it's the same thing as chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, 35, you know, before 1973 is an example, Every doctor in the world knew what chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia. What's fibromyalgia? It's muscle aches and pains and bone pain and severe fatigue. Well, those are the classic symptoms of low thyroid and also low adrenal, that fatigue. Well, doctors don't treat that anymore. And I think it's political because when the thyroid is healthy, and you have enough iodine in your body, you can't get three things. You can't get any known viral infection. That means hepatitis and human papillomavirus and herpes and, and Epstein-Barr virus and cytomegalovirus. You can't get AIDS. You can't get any virus. You also can't get any bacterial infection, MRSA or E. coli, and you can't get yeast and fungus, so therefore you don't get cancer. Now, what would doctors do without viruses, bacteria, and cancer? I think it's political. I don't. Okay, so when, when you're saying all of this, I'm going to jump in for just a second. So, how do you prevent that? How do you do? You have a product, or are there vitamins or nutrients, or how does somebody achieve that optimal health? Well, first thing is thyroid, most thyroid is not treated in this country anymore. And it's a, a very classic example of medicine has changed. It becomes more based on money as opposed to truth and health. So the first thing we would do is 
uh, check thyroid. One of the easiest ways to check your thyroid is take your body temperature. You take your temperature first thing in the morning when you wake up before you stand up. Before, So you have the thermometer right there ready. Now it's all digital and things. Now, when you first wake up in the morning, your temperature needs to be 97.8 or higher. And most people are coming in, even during the day, they're 97.2, 97.4. Now, during the day when you measure your temperature, it needs to be 98.4 or higher. And that's one of the easiest ways to tell that you're low in iodine. So you can get liquid iodine almost anywhere. It's called Lugol solution. I mean, it's 150 years old, and it's a liquid. You can get a 2% or a 5% solution, but you drip some on your skin. And, it, you know, iodine leaves that kind of yellow, red kind of stain on your skin. And you measure how long does it take for that um, color to disappear from your skin. It really needs to take about... Oh, 24 to 36 hours. Most people, that color will disappear within three or four hours. And you know they're highly deficient in iodine. And it's one of the, I think, one of the um, most prevalent um, mineral deficiencies in the world today. And it's so easy to understand when you understand a little chemistry. And, um, let me ask. And can you just you, drink many, iodine? Can you take like a tablespoon and yeah. juice or something? Or how does well, somebody take tablespoon. iodine? Yeah, not a tablespoon. It depends how much you know what the solution is that you're getting, and or a pill. There's a a pill you can get. It's called Iterol, and it's about twelve point five milligrams. That's too much to start with. So I like the drops because I'll start with much lower dose. And um, you'll start maybe like if it's a 5% or you know even a 2%, you start with one drop per day. And you would add maybe one drop every fourth day until you get to about five drops. I have gone up as high as 50 to 75 milligrams, not micrograms, per day of iodine to correct conditions. Now, in the uh, RDA, the recommended daily re requirement, it's about 220 micrograms. But the average American's getting only 25 micrograms, where the average Japanese woman is getting 25 milligrams. Now think of that for a moment. You have to take 25 uh, micrograms, 10 times that, and it's 250 micrograms. 10 times it again, it's 2.5 milligrams. You have to 10 times it again to get that 25 milligram. So nobody's taking that uh, that much. Well, when you do so take is that it, from, I'm sorry, so is that from seaweed or sushi or that well, kelp? you could... Eat, you can eat seaweed, but never that much. You couldn't get um, because it's only micrograms in a in a dose of seaweed. So I think you have to take it either in a pill or drops, um, and that makes the difference. Any woman that starts on uh, iodine, as an example, or even Synthroid or Cytomil, Synthroid is T4 and Cytomil is T3, I think they need to be given together. Or there's what's called Armour Thyroid, but most doctors won't pres prescribe enough. You need to do it until the temperature goes up. So you might add, let's say you start on an Armour or a Synthroid, you add a little bit every two weeks to, until you get to the proper dosage where you 
feel well. Well, the heavy periods are going to disappear very quickly. No more clotting. You're not going to have any more pain. And because you're not having heavy periods, you're not going to have that fatigue because of anemia. So think of that. The thyroid is involved in just your entire metabolism. And uh, a lot of people don't realize it also controlled what we would call um, hibernation. Now, humans don't hibernate anymore, but the brain still remembers hibernation. And when the thyroid goes down, the brain thinks you're supposed to hibernate. So what does it do? It sends a signal to your cells that every time they reproduce to make less mitochondria. Now, that's the little energy factory inside the cell. Well, you're (laughs) supposed to go to hibernate. So you don't want high metabolism. You want slow metabolism. And another thing that happens is the fat. When you're hibernating and it's cold, you don't want to dry out. So all the fat in your body is mobilized and it comes up underneath your skin. So you get this thick skin kind of thing. And a way to easily test that is you do on the side of your arm. Take your thumb and first finger and pinch a bunch of the skin on the side of your arm. It'll either pinch together and you can pull the skin up or it's a real thick that's not fat under the skin. It's a, a chemical called mucin. I love that word. You're full of mucin. It's like, <laughs> it sounds like sounds one. Sounds like is. a monster in the closet. <laughs> you know, like, oh, that one mucus uh, commercial that there's that, you know, those little kind of monsters. Same yes, kind and of he's going to go with you during the day, yes. <laughs> so it's mucin. Well, once you start taking iodine, and you fill up all the cells of your body, not just the thyroid, but all the cells of your body, you lose all these other conditions. I mean, um, it's so easy to understand when you look at a little chemistry. And without making a chemistry class, how many people do you think eat a grain every day, a cake, pie, cookie, cracker, chip, muffin, tortilla, bread, pasta, noodle? How many people eat that? Wow, almost everybody. And almost every day? Yes. Wouldn't you say some every day? Several times a day, multiple times a day. Well, the preservative in those grain products is um, bromated vegetable oil. Now, when you go to the periodic table of elements, and we all remember that from high school, and you look at column 7B, that's the halogen group of metals, and you'll see bromine just above iodine. And where that mineral occurs on the column, the higher up the column, the stronger it is. Well, bromine displaces iodine from the body. How many people do you say would maybe drink a glass of tap water or shower in tap water? Most people? Most of the population, absolutely. And every day? Some people we twice a day. People would shower every day. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Alyssa, when I We're, we're wanting them to be in this bad water. <laughs> oh, when I was in Europe, they don't shower every day, let me tell you. <laughs> so, but that chlorine is even stronger than bromine, and it displaces iodine. So now you have two minerals displacing the iodine. Now, here's a third one. How many people would you say use fluoride toothpaste? Oh, Everybody, that's our almost whole society, yes. 
Okay, well, fluoride is even stronger than chlorine, and it displaces the rest of the iodine. So the brain thinks those minerals are all the same. They're all halogen minerals. So when the receptor sites on the thyroid, T4, T3, T2, T1, it thinks it's iodine, but it is not. It's either bromine, chlorine, or fluorine. So the thyroid is not working, yet when the doctor does the blood test, the thyroid hormones will appear normal, yet the temperature will be very low of the body. Go by the temperature, not numbers on a chart. And actually, the doctor now has to be careful because it's uh, the, a medical board will sanction the doctor if they treat thyroid and TSH is normal or low or the other T3 or T4 or free T3, free T4 is normal. And uh, so you've got to be careful. They treat by numbers now, not by how you feel. Uh, and, okay, uh, so really... I have a, I'm going to jump in with a question then, because we've got people popping in all these questions to us right now. So I'm reading oh, everybody sure. typing like crazy. So people are asking the other side of the scale, the the menopause, the when you can't have the hot flashes, all of that, the emotion that comes with that, and are, is iodine also the solution there? Yes. It's the iodine controls all of metabolism, controls how energy is used in the body, and it also controls um, viruses, bacteria, and any kind of sickness. Have you ever had any type of surgery by any means? I you would know have. immediately. Oh, well, then what did they paint on your skin before the surgery? Iodine. Iodine, right. You know, it's Benadine. Now they call it Benadine. Now they even have these sheets where you can tear off a sheet and it's embedded with the iodine and you just tape it right onto the skin. And then they do the um, surgery that way through that um, um, material. And so iodine is a disinfectant. Well, Iodine is in your thyroid, T4, which is a, 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 it's a, a, a storage hormone. Your blood goes through your body every eight and a half to nine minutes. Depends how heavy you are. The heavier you are, the longer it'll take. Well, what happens when the blood goes through and comes in contact with the iodine? It's disinfected. Now, when the rest of the body needs more iodine, a signal is sent from the pituitary to send that thyroid T4 into the bloodstream. Some of it goes to the liver, some goes to the kidney, some goes to the pancreas, and some goes to the lungs, and it drops off one of the iodines in those organs so that now all the blood going through those organs gets disinfected. Now you have this T3 floating in your blood. It lost one of the iodines. It bumps up against the cells of your body, and one of the iodines sticks to the surface of the cell, and then it becomes T2 and goes inside the cell. Now anything in your blood that bumps up against your cells that's not good, the cells disinfect it because the iodine's on the surface of the cell. Inside the cell, one of the iodines goes into the mitochondria, disinfects that mitochondria, so now it's T1, and the last iodine goes into the nucleus of the cell, and it disinfects the nucleus so that DNA and everything when the cells reproduce. 
And without the iodine, none of this disinfection occurs, and that's why c- disease can occur. When you so have can the this prevent the? So can this, I'm sorry for interrupting you. Can, so can this prevent the hot flashes and all of the absolutely the symptoms? Sure. Okay. And then There's I also have people a great that are, herb. There's a great herb called blue cohosh and black cohosh, and um, those are really very good. Again, depends upon the company how much the um, uh, chemicals in there that you're really buying because it could be a a, a cheap uh, black cohosh. And so I only use certain companies because I want the science, you know, the company to send me the um, scientific reports on how much of of the uh, black cohosh is going to work. So women can take a black cohosh. Is there any company you would recommend or for people that are listening, or how would they find this product? Can I say that on a rate? Can we t- say yes, company? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Sure, absolutely. Well, uh, there's one I use absolutely. Nature Sunshine. I use Nature Sunshine's herbs because it's the only company that I know of that since 1972 has never failed an independent laboratory um, study. They've never failed in potency or they've never failed in um, contamination. So I use that company. And uh, they have a black cohosh, very concentrated, and it's called Flash Ease. How easy is that to remember? Flash Ease. So it's thyroid and thyroid and adrenals. Now, uh, uh, think of... um, Think of depression as an example. Um, Tell me if these um, uh, symptoms might have to do with um, uh, depression, trouble sleeping, waking up often, uh, having crashes throughout the day where you really want to go to sleep. You're having maybe night sweats, um, anxiety. Um, you're having, you know, forgetfulness. You have no motivation, no drive. You don't even feel anything. You're having foggy thinking, irritability. I mean, how, how do those sound similar to the symptoms of thyro- of depression? Don't they? Yes, absolutely. Well, those are all symptoms of adrenal fatigue. Well, is it depression or adrenal fatigue? Because there's problems with sleep patterns with your adrenal fatigue. I'm saying you'll have insomnia, you'll have afternoon energy crashes, you're going to wake up when the adrenals and the thyroid, you're going to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and all of a sudden your mind is instantly wide awake and you're having trouble going back to sleep. Emotionally, you're going to have those anxiety or panic attacks or short-term memory, motivation, emotions, all those things I mentioned. You're going to have maybe hair loss. You're going to have um, um, muscle cramping and muscle weaknesses. Those are all symptoms of adrenals. Um, You might have low bone density. You might be even losing um, uh, um, muscles. You might have a very common, common condition. You know how some women get a really thick, cracked heel and it cracks on the bottom of their heel and it often will even crack and bleed? Those are symptoms of adrenal fatigue, low um, thyroid, and also vitamin A. So when you take those, within a short period of time, those cracked, thick, calloused heels will disappear. And that's going to be good for a relationship because when you <laughs> the husband wants to do a foot rub and they go, oh, your heels are all cracked and thick and nasty. Okay, so, you know, that's that's a secondary benefit. 
<laughs> I love That's, doing these. <laughs> when you talk about adrenals, now when you talk about adrenals, are you talking men and women that are having these difficulties? Like it's Absolutely. flu season right now. So it's Absolutely. Well, we hear it's flu season. And so to prevent flu or the cold or the cough or bronchitis or any of these things that we listen to or hear or have advertisements on television for every cold medicine on the planet, is it vitamin C, is it chicken soup, is it love, or is there something else we could do to stay healthy and well? Well, again, it's thyroid and adrenals. Now, I'll give you an example. My granddaughters, I have a granddaughter nine years old. I have a granddaughter three, uh, six years old. And they have never been sick one day in their life. Not a cold, not a flu, no sickness. Can you name a nine-year-old or a six-year-old in this country that has never been sick one day? Yeah. My daughter is 43 years old, and I think she's been sick maybe four times in her entire life. I can't remember being sick. Um, so it's all health. I put my daughter on a pre-pregnancy program for 30 days before she got pregnant so that I knew the core of her body was healthy, so that the eggs were healthy, and I also put my son-in-law on a program. So the moment she got pregnant, she was on a very strong program with a lot of iodine. And so the core of my grandchildren, the very core of their being is extremely healthy. And when the body grows, it grows like a spiral outward, getting bigger and bigger. So their core had the iodine, so every cell in their body is healthy. And that's why they've never been sick one day. And yet the school, they know that, and they go, they've never questioned, you know, hey, how come your grandchildren, how come, you know, your kids don't get sick? You know, they don't, it's just, you know, it's not. But I did a lot of things for my grand, uh, for my grandchildren. When they were born, they could count to five. They knew all the colors, and they knew the shapes of square, uh, triangle, and circle, because I taught them in utero. And people go, how'd you do that? Oh, come on. And what I did, I got speakers and microphones, and I would, uh, at four months pregnant, we would talk to the baby. Um, we played music, classical music, Brahms, Beethoven, melody, very soft music. The whole time she was pregnant, eight, ten hours a day, very softly. But when I taught her math, we had a, a, a class every um, day at the exact same time. And I would do, I it's true. Here's how I taught her the math. I would go, okay, baby, here's your math lesson. And I would go, one. And I would tap on my belly, on, on my daughter's belly, one. I would say two and tap twice. I would say three and tap three times. For two weeks, we did that every day. Three, two, one, one, two, three, two, one, two, three. After three weeks, I would say three, she kicked three. I would say one, wow. she kicked one. So then I went to five. And so they knew how to count to five. How did I teach them colors? I bought every colored flashlight, and I bought um, the plastic um, film so I could put it over a flashlight. And I would shine. We'd go into a room, turn all the lights out so it was very dark, and I would shine the flashlight into her belly, and I would say yellow. And I would move the yellow around her belly so that baby would have to move her eyes. Then I would do green, purple, orange over and over again for weeks. 
Then I knew she knew the colors. Then I would do yellow square, and I would trace a square on her belly with the yellow. And I would do red triangle, green circle. She knew the colors. Now she equated it to those uh, shapes. And when they were born, they're my little genius babies. They've never been sick, and boy, do they love Grandpa. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's just amazing. And so to say that they've never been sick, how do you keep them healthy? How do you? They take their you... iodine every day. They eat healthy. They've never been into a fast food restaurant, and they're nine and six. Never been into one. They would never eat. Uh, they're vegetarians, uh, except they do eat fish. Um, uh, they like uh, salmon, but it's wild salmon only. And um, they only eat healthy food. Oh, once in a while they've come home and they say, Grandpa, I have diarrhea and my stomach hurts. I ate the cake and ice cream at the party. And then I'd say, eat it. It's okay. But they recognize that that diarrhea and their stomach came from the cake and ice cream not because something's wrong. And that's a critical. I would want every person listening, when you get sick or don't feel well, I want you to think, what did you eat, not what's wrong? And so they're on their vitamins every day. They take iodine. My wife, I mean, my daughter took iodine every day during their um, nursing. The moment they stopped nursing and had any kind of uh, liquid, I would put one drop of the iodine in there. So they've had iodine since birth. They've had vitamins since birth. You just can't get the nutrients anymore out of the food. I'm so sorry to say, but you just can't. Um, It's, you know... And I know we're coming close. I want to mention one thing for women out there that is critical. And um, that is, please, it might um, make a lot of uh, doctors upset, but please, every study that's ever been on mammograms shows that mammograms um, can increase your risk of cancer dramatically. I have studies in front of me. So I want you to get a thermogram not a mammogram, because the thermogram is the Rolls-Royce of testing for breast cancer. It will um, diagnose and show breast cancer 7 to 15 years before a mammogram. And the reason is, is a mammogram only takes a picture of anatomy. You either see the tumor or you don't. A thermogram takes a picture of physiology. It looks at the process of what's happening, and it'll see special uh, blood vessels growing underneath the skin. And the camera's very special. It'll photograph under the skin, the camera we use, and it'll look at those blood vessels. We then have the woman put her hands in ice-cold water for uh, 30 seconds to a minute, and then we re-photograph that exact same breast. And what will happen is the temperature will go down um, if it's a non-cancer. If the temperature does not go down on a specific area, we have to have that assessed to see if those special blood vessels that are growing, because only special blood vessels feed a cancer. And so um, you can tell if the temperature changes. And I think, I I question why um, traditional... um, 
uh, physicians are not using it because you can diagnose and see 15 years before the cancer ever forms that those blood vessels are forming. Well, let's change your diet now. Let's not wait for the tumor to form. And that's critical. That's, I, I hope women um, can take that. That's amazing. And then I know we just have a couple minutes left, so I definitely want you to be able to share how people can find you, how they can reach you. I mean, your information is just incredible. You just change and save and enrich lives around the world, and I know people are just fighting at the bit to be able to find you. Well, they can always go to my uh, – I have a radio show here in El Paso, Texas. El Paso, Texas, of all places. I was born and raised in L.A. I had my office in the Marina del Rey for years, and then on Santa Monica near 4th Street. And uh, so everybody goes, how would you end up in El Paso? And I have to answer that, I don't know. <laughs> That's <laughs> how I always answer that. <laughs> so um, I'm here in El Paso. I have a radio show. It's been on 20 years, Clear Channel. and But you can get it on the web. So you can go to my website, Natural Solutions Radio, all one word, solutions with an S, radio.com. I just opened last week my, i got to start doing this social media stuff. I haven't been doing it. So I did my first Facebook pay, uh, for uh, Natural Solutions Radio so people can go ask questions. If they're online during the radio show, we'll ask questions, or they can, on the on my website, the telephone number is there, so they can call live during the radio show, and, we'll, uh, and they can ask any question they want. Um, I have my... Uh, let's see, my professor, Eliezer Ben-Joseph, um, that's my professional Facebook that we just did. And then my Eliezer Ben-Joseph plane, that's my um, regular personal um, uh, Facebook. So there's a couple mm -hmm. ways, and um, but the radio is going to be the easiest. That's wonderful. Well, we so appreciate you today. And as we close, since this is the show on the Happily Ever After do you have one key or secret or tool of technique of how to live happily ever after, how to have that dream yes, come true? I do. And I read this every morning, and it goes like this. Have I done any good in the world today? Have I helped anyone in need? Have I cheered up the sad and made someone feel glad? If not, I have failed indeed. Has anyone's burden been lighter today because I was willing to share? Have the sick and the weary been helped on their way? When they needed my help, was I there? Then wake up and do something more than dream of your great mansions above. Doing good is a pleasure, a joy beyond measure, a true duty and blessing of love. I start my mm. day with that, and I end my day with that. That's so beautiful, and I love the secrets and the keys that you shared to a lasting and healthy and happy relationship and all of the information that you gave us for wellness, for health, how to stay literally disease-free, illness-free, and really incredible information on the thermogram instead of a mammogram, the iodine, the all of the... the Every single bit of information that you gave us from the temperatures to the iodine to starting your day even before you get out of bed, taking your temperature, and then again during the day, how to keep your kids 
healthy and happy and joyous and carefree, how to be able to teach math even before a baby is born. <laughs> and, oh, I just thought I mean, of one more thing. I just thought of one more thing that's profound that everybody has to do. Everyone yes. needs to cultivate laughter. Laughter yeah. produces yeah. immune stimulation that really enhances the immune system where crying and sadness can suppress the immune system. Laughter's contagious and and, and you know the brain can actually detect a phony laughter. So laughter, oh my gosh, laughter is critical. It burns calories. <laughs> so that would be my last one. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you for being with us today. To get a copy of today's show, really simple, you can just send a text to 55678, a text to 55678. The message is simply Nicole. You can download today's show or any of our archive shows for free. I'm sure that you want to write down all of this information that you were able to receive today from just the incredible Dr. Eliezer Ben-Joseph. And for myself, Nicole Brandon, for Dr. Eliezer Ben-Joseph, I know that we both wish you the happily ever after and that may all your wishes and wants and your forever dreams come true. We look forward to seeing you next week. And again, Dr. Eliezer Ben-Joseph, thank you for such incredible information and such oh, a thank you for having me on. Show. we look forward to having you back absolutely amazing information and next week you have heard about the runaway bride what about the runaway groom boy do we have a show for you wishing you the happily ever after we look forward to seeing you again on Hourglass Bride